Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Yo, yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm a Chris, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, November 20th, 2019. This is episode 090, episode 90. We are closing in on 100, which is absolutely insane, but there's no time to slow down now. I am so excited for this episode featured guest. He goes by the name of Clayton De La Chapelle, one of the most talented DJs I've ever met, an incredible businessman, and an all around great guy. I went up to his office in the North side of Chicago at 2112, which connected to Fort Knox Studios. We got into a podcast space that was brand new. It was absolutely incredible. If you guys are about to watch this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. For those listening on audio, make sure to go check out my new YouTube page. Search Sherm in the booth. But enough about me, guys. Clayton is such an incredible guy for a multitude of different reasons. I got a lot of respect for him. He's the head honcho of the Music Trust, and I'll let him explain a little better himself, but I've been working directly with these guys for about a year and a half. It is a collective of many different types of musical artists, whether you be a DJ, whether you be a live performer, a singer, whatever it might be, they partner with venues to help create a sonic identity. It's a very, very special group of people, and I'm so excited to be able to sit down and talk to this seasoned veteran. He's been doing this for well over a decade and has so many different pieces of advice. So let's get into it right now, guys. Episode 90 with Clayton Della Chappelle. Okay, let's lock in, baby. This is uh, this is episode 90. Damn. Damn. Damn 90. is right. Zero nine zero, baby. Good for you. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. I'm I'm uh I'm really excited about this. We are at twenty one twelve. Yes. Studios, offices. Sure. All of it. Whatever conglomerate. <laughs> uh, this place is fucking awesome. I'm here sitting with my friend Clayton De La Chapelle. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I want to give a shout out and acknowledge you and the Music Trust team initially. Uh, it's been a little over a year and a half since I started working with you guys, and I can honestly say you're the most professional people that I've met in the industry. So shout out to you guys, yeah. man. Thanks. That's what we strive for. Perfection is what you strive for. <laughs> Perfection. Yeah. yeah. I think the only thing that's not perfect is sometimes a bad mixer or a uh, CDJ at a Four yeah. Corners bar, but yeah. that's part of it, right? Yeah, that's that's life. Yeah, that's absolutely. Life. I remember one time uh, I was playing at uh, Federale's. I can't remember who was playing before me, but he said that uh, Ankit had come in like five minutes before he started and like ran over a CDJ from like uh I, what is it steak uh or what's that place uh, 80 proof, proof yeah. 80 proof yeah and you know you got like three different types but it works you got to do it yeah it's crazy man there's so much like shit that can go wrong yeah. and it's like especially when it goes wrong friday it's like <laughs> and you never like it to call monday it's like hey like that yeah. shit it out it's like all right cool we're hey, all week now. hey right now this isn't working yeah the dj that started 10 minutes ago like everything doesn't work it's like <laughs> all right <laughs> I mean, but you guys, the thing about you guys that's different than maybe, uh, say, another conglomerate or pr promotion group is you guys are all really good DJs, so Thanks. that's something that you take seriously is the yeah. little things, right? I don't know what it is, and I don't know when it will change, and it may never change, but at least with venues that I've worked outside of the Music Trust, the DJ gets the short end of the stick every single time. 
if something is wrong with the equipment, if something is wrong with the speakers, if something is wrong with anything, well, what's going on? Why can't you figure it out? You know? Yeah. I Why mean, is that? I think it's just there's, like, a lack of, um, like, professionalism, one. Yeah. And I think it's a lack of understanding. For so sure. You know, if you're a general manager and, you know, you're DJing at some, and you're, you're new, it's your first night there, and yeah. shit goes wrong, but it didn't go wrong last week. Right. The possibility that something could have happened between the last guy and yes. you is so, like not in there right and that's the thing most of these companies don't hire us like they would like a lot of companies don't hire a company like us to mm -hmm. like kind of explain that and sit down with yeah. managers and sit down with owners and take the time to be like if it goes wrong here's your 911 list like yeah it's not always the dj's fault like here's like turnarounds here's ways to like fix it you know? yeah um a lot of guys just plug and play and then you've got so you literally run through it with them like yeah. hey here's what can go wrong and here's what to do if it does yeah i mean there's it's like say, titanic man like oh, yeah <laughs> Like, we literally have backup Yeah, gear rescue boats, ready yeah. Ready to go. We have, <laughs> I think there's some venues that have the backup gear in-house. If mm -hmm. not, we have a, um, a storage locker, like, right on Lakeshore Drive. So nice. if we need to get something, we can just hop down and... That's perfect. Yeah. Are you on call then, you feel like? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, because it's, like, we it's the, the on-call, the repair stuff is sort of piecemeal, because, like, there's really <laughs> nothing that can go wrong in a night. Like, there's so, like... Yeah. It would have to take, like, everything to go wrong for us to be, like, this is a terrible situation. Because, you know, like, a CDJ goes bad. It's like, all yeah. right, we'll tell the yeah, DJ to, like, go internal on one and yep. figure it out. Or, yeah, you know, like, course. the mixer goes wrong. It's like, I guess put the house system on. And yeah. That's true. Tell the goodbye. Like, like, there's, like, that's all we can do. That's how it goes. The yeah. night must go on. Um, I want to, before we get really into the music trust, because yeah. I, I really want to get in deep with what you guys do, but you're originally from... Chicago. Yeah, Chicagoland area, Northwest Chicagoland. Yeah. And then you went to Columbia. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to walk through your story because I had such a good time with you when we got lunch. But yeah. when did you go out west then? Um, I think it was like two and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah, about two and a half years ago. We um, we sort of felt like, and my fiance at the time, we sort of felt like it was time for a quick change. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been going out west for probably like eight years, DJ gigs, visiting friends. Yeah. Um, I had family out there in San Francisco. Okay. So it was sort of like, yeah, let's try it. So we yeah. sort of just... No, San like, Diego, right? Yeah, San Diego. Yeah. It was like a Hail Mary because it was just... Music Trust was like still doing its thing, mm -hmm. but I never... Like the thought of me leaving like all my clients and like letting the team here run it. Yeah, is that weird for remotely. you? It was pretty like unnerving and it didn't hit until like I was in the car and I crossed, I think it was like... Because we drove down south to Texas and then took the Texas... I think like when I crossed the Texas state line, I was like... Oh shit! Oh man! You remember the moment? Yeah. Oh geez. Because it's like it does nothing. It's all surreal, right? <laughs> yeah, it absolutely. Feel like it. Yeah. So we stayed out there, and um, we were kind of working with a hotel group at the time that had a lot of their properties out there. Mm -hmm. So we sort of used that as like our, like our learning experience with them to like learn about the brand, see what was going yeah. on, and absolutely, you know, grow with those properties and program them and all that. Yeah. And, um, got well, married out there, and yeah, nice. But it's hard, man. Congratulations it's, to you. Yeah. Thanks. It's hard going from, like, a, a city hustle to, like, a beachy, small... Like, I don't surf. Like, <laughs> I'm not the guy that's going to go to the beach every day. Yeah. You know, maybe, like, I'll walk on, like, the concrete or, like, have a coffee and enjoy it. But I'm not the guy that's going to, like, sit there and sunbathe all day. Yeah. I don't so, see you burying yourself in the sand. No. I mean, it was cool. Like, it was good. It was great to, like, you know, get away and know you can do it because I'd never moved away from Chicago. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, what was it like growing up in Chicago for you? Were your parents musical or when did really you get exposed to that? Uh, my mom was an artist, like painter or sculptor, okay. so like that's kind of like where like all the creative stuff came from. And then my dad has always done his own business type thing, um, like wow. direct mail and everything else. You're literally a perfect combination. Though. Yeah, so it was sort of like both worlds of it. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. It was, I like Living here was great. I mean, it's funny because my wife, who came from uh, Pennsylvania, 
you know, second nature for me just to be like, yeah, we're going to go downtown and go to the museum and mm-hmm. like seeing like school buses down there. And she's like, these kids get to go to the art museum like on a Wednesday. I'm like, yeah, that's what you do. She's from like country Pennsylvania. Uh, I don't know. If it's Out, not Philadelphia. Yeah, not. Philadelphia. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. like, you know, summer Pennsylvania. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But it's like one of those things where it's like you take that for granted because growing up here, like I was a photographer in, in um, high school and college and in mm-hmm. high school, because if you take those classes, like I think it was like twice a semester, they send you on a bus downtown and just let you roam the city and take pictures. <laughs> yeah, I came up to Chicago when I was very young. I, I grew up in Indianapolis, but we uh, came up here to the Field Museum, the Shedd Aquarium yeah. multiple times. I think I I didn't even realize until I came here how incredible Chicago really is. Yeah. Just everything that's going on. I mean, even being in a place like this, just the story you told me before we got on air, you know, Ariana Grande comes here before she goes on a Lollapalooza. Supposedly, I don't know. Supposedly. Well, let's just believe it, right? Yeah. But it, 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 it took me maybe six months to be like, this place is amazing for so many different reasons. Yeah. The music, the people, the food, the culture the size of it yeah you know it's it's an approachable big city which is weird to say absolutely it is i mean if you go to like our counterpart which i guess would be like houston because we like go back and forth it doesn't feel like a big city no and like la doesn't feel like a big city to Mm -hmm. me but chicago does yeah and it's like endless but then you go to something like a san francisco which sort of feels like a big city yeah and realize how like small it is and it's like oh it's only like seven hundred and fifty thousand people or whatever it is yeah and they're like number 18 it's like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's weird. It's weird how, like, this doesn't get old. It's true. I was just in Philadelphia last weekend, and I had forgotten it's the fifth biggest city in the United States. Yeah. But does it feel like it? No. Yeah. It, it, I don't know what it is. I mean, I think the more and more I... Every day in Chicago, for me, I feel like I'm, I'm learning something about the city, about myself, and the type of people that live here. And yeah. if even... And I remember when, when we met, I was asking you, because I always have goals to go west because it's, you know, the hub of music and radio and... You know Hollywood or whatever, but listen, Chicago has it all too. Yeah, there's a lot of people doing stuff here. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of movies, there's a lot of film, like mm-hmm. the, or um, like the digital stuff, TV, whatever, like yeah. Chicago Fire and all that stuff. Yeah, there's, it's. I think that's what you're gonna see. You're seeing this like Renaissance now, where whatever your creative field is, mm-hmm. being like that broke musician or that broke artist in a New yeah. York or in LA <laughs> or whatever, like doesn't do it anymore. So you're kind of yeah. seeing people go to like. Detroit's or Cleveland's yeah. or Chicago's or whatever it may be, like to, you know, for True. their comfort level. Yeah, because you can actually survive as an artist, and you can absolutely live a good life. It's the day and age, and just the digital world we live in, with social media, with streaming, with everything. I mean, we're in an online radio studio right now. Yeah, you can do that in Columbus, Ohio. You can be anywhere in the world in like three seconds. So <laughs> insane. And that's why when people are like, I'm going to go to L.A. to make it, or I'm going to go to New York to make it. I'm yeah. Like, yeah, so did everybody else. Right. Like, if you're not making it here or your hometown, like, or wherever you want to go, mm-hmm. what makes you think, like, jumping into a pond that big is going to change it? It's a more competitive market. Yeah. I was talking to some of my friends recently, and they were talking about the possible move to Los Angeles. And they were like, you know, Chicago is a great place. This is where we've built our name. I don't see a reason to be a little fish in a gigantic ocean yeah. when here I'm my average size fish in a, a nice, nice Lake Michigan. You know, I'm a freshwater fish guy, I think, yeah. maybe. Freshwater yeah. fish are nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like, listen, you don't have to be, like, you don't have to be that guy that goes to, like, these big cities and, like, that's it for you. Because, like, mm-hmm. I, I encourage people to be uncomfortable. Like, yeah. move. If you want to move, move. Because if you've never left your home home state, home mm-hmm. city, hometown, mm-hmm. whatever, get out. 
Yeah. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, unless you got like six kids and you know, yeah. you're like broke or whatever, then maybe not a good idea to like sure. feed your family. But while you're young, while you're single, while you're married, whatever, before like things get real, you mm-hmm. get older, go move, go be broke, go live on couches, do Airbnbs, like yeah. all that stuff. Because yeah. what's the worst that can happen? You fail and have to go back? Not to get all like Gary Vee on. No, I totally mean? agree with you. I yeah. really do. I mean, you're a master of your own domain, I believe, in manifest destiny. Like, yeah. you are in control of what's going to happen in your future. And you said that to me a long time ago that there's nothing wrong with going somewhere and trying something new. Like, it's not like the end all be all. No. I always joke, I'm like, I might move to Milwaukee for a year. Yeah, fuck it. Just because that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like, I love so that. Take the train down here and like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I mean, you're such an incredible photographer, too. I, I was re-looking through your Instagram. Oh, you've nice. been all over the world. Yeah, we you, try. You mentioned earlier you've been doing photography for a long time. Yeah, I think, like, sophomore, freshman, freshman year of high school. That come before DJing, then? Yeah. Cause really? Because, like, DJing wasn't really a thing for, like, the open format. Like, if you were true, if you were DJing when I was in high school, it was, like, hard techno, <laughs> like, on B96. Yeah. And I was, like, a live music guy, so I was, like... Right, I was, like, yeah, yeah, maybe not. I was, like, I'm just going to go listen to my Led Zeppelin records. Sure. And, you know, but... When did you start DJing, then? Uh, I got into it, I think, freshman year of college. Okay. Yeah, so, like, we created, like, a little studio, because one of the guys I was working with, or, like, was friends with in college, he had these, like, artists and rappers, and, like, he we had this random space. Like, it had to be, like, literally probably as narrow as this stage. <laughs> Like and it was in some warehouse and he's like, Let's create like a, a recording studio. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, cool. Like we'll like record musicians and like do bands and be like those guys. Mm-hmm. Um and he got like a rapper in one day and this guy was like six foot two, <laughs> six foot three, like Filipino. Yeah. Like really good shit, but it was just like it was crazy. Like he did not fit the mold of what like I thought a rapper would be at the time. Um <laughs> and we That's I remember awesome. like he was producing his records and everything and he's like, All right, we need like DJ scratches. And I was like, "Oh shit! Like we don't, we don't know anybody that does that." <laughs> so I was like, "All right, yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get those like in on the next session." Wow. So like, I drove to Guitar Center, bought like a shitty like little like record thing, yeah. brought it in. Like I think the like four or five LPs. One was like Green Lantern or like whatever like the Eminem's guy was at yeah. the time. All that shit, and we just like recorded the scratches, and the thing just sat. And so like in the downtime, I just started like playing with it. Yeah. And then eventually we like closed the studio down because we were broke college kids with no money. And yeah, wasn't of course. Working, moved the gear to the house. Um, then my roommate at the time was like doing weddings and bar mitzvahs and he was like yo if you want to DJ like do this I'm like yeah I can't do clubs so yeah I'll go do like private events right and kind of just got thrown into the fire it was like here's a wedding and now you're gonna play like earth wind and fire and like all this like cornball shit to me at the time yeah yeah yeah. but it's it's a day job yeah for sure I mean it it was interesting because it was like it opened me up to a lot of music that I would have never played yeah absolutely you know what I mean absolutely playing a wedding here and there is refreshing yeah. to me sometimes yeah you know like now they are now because they now are. it's our generation getting married yes so true and it's like oh the my sets god are so much more fun like when i have friends are like yeah we dj my wedding i'm like you like the roots you like mm yeah. you like all this like really cool. <laughs> yeah I was like this will be good yeah that's so true yeah so it's like i i totally agree with you it, i i dj maybe three weddings or so and one that i'm actually excited about uh, they, you know, rented out the sick venue. I was like, do I have to bring my speakers? Like, you know, I usually am the, I'm everything. And they're yeah. like, no, they have CDJs and they have a world, world dumbass sound system. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, these are my friends that I, like, yeah. have grown up with, that I've partied with, and it's always refreshing doing that. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it is. Here and there, though. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Maybe one or two a year. <laughs> Outside of that. Yeah. 
What was it like actually in that time period, maybe in Chicago specifically, trying to become a DJ? I mean, you said there wasn't really open format. It was weird. It was like hip hop in the house. And that was sort of like what I learned. So like, was, was there not a lot of barrier to entry? Like, was there not a ton of DJs running the scene? I honestly don't remember like yeah. what the what the entry was for clubs. I remember it was like kind of a DJ, kind of a promoter guy that would run it. Right. Or you'd like meet the owner. I remember like Craigslist was kind of coming up, so you'd like be on Craigslist looking for like <laughs> oh DJ. Oh my god, gigs, that's amazing. Facebook, like all that weird stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was like a bizarre scene because. It was sort of when Serato was, like, not a thing. Mm-hmm. So CDs, like, with the little dual guys were popping into clubs and in the vinyl. Yeah. So you would go whichever. Like, it just depended, like, what you <laughs> spun on. So, yeah. like, some of us had, like, 50 records. And then once we realized you could carry, like, triple the music and, like, you know, CDs, like, this big, <laughs> you'd bring that out and be like, all right, this is great. Um, but, yeah, it was a bizarre... It was bizarre, but it was good because every club was dark. Yeah. They paid shit. You didn't really care. You were just doing it. Like, money wasn't really what you cared about and yeah. I didn't at the time because yeah. the money was coming from private events and everything sure. else I was doing but. did you DJ in a club before you were 21 yeah yeah snuck my way into some Lincoln Park bar nice I think it was called Crush Crush and I have no clue what's there anymore <laughs> but yeah I remember I had a fake ID and I was like fuck it I'm just gonna like find a gig and like, yeah because like I was like what are they gonna do card the DJ and legit they carded me at the door and I handed them my ID and I was like and it was like a California like fake ID. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I was like, yeah, man, here's my ID. And yep. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, cool. If you have headphones around your neck and you walk up to anywhere, yeah, I've used fine. this trick, honestly. I was like, I'm not DJing tonight, but I don't want to deal with the line. Bring just like my smaller pair of headphones like I'm DJing tonight. I'm like, come on in. Well, I think it works. It works. You know what doesn't work, though? I played on USB sticks at one club. Yeah. And so I, you know, I was like, I'm going to just do a USB sticks tonight. It's only like an hour and a half set. Mm-hmm. And I'll just walk in like, be fine. And so, like, the guy's, like, you know, stops me. He's like, you know, $20 cover. I was like, oh, no, I'm DJ tonight. And he's, like, literally looking for my backpack. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, what? He's like, you don't have a backpack. You're not the DJ. I'm like, no, it's, like, these, yeah. this is my stuff. Oh, like, my, my gosh. And he was like, eh. I was like, man. I was like, I'm on the flyer. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So then when uh, did Music Trust really come into your life? When did you get involved? I don't know the year. It was about 10 years ago. I know that. Because mm-hmm. we're like, this will be our 10-year anniversary this year. Yeah. Or next year, whichever one it is. Um, oh, we're going to throw a party. Yeah. Working on it. Um, I was kind of like DJing around the city, and there were some guys that were booking me. Um, and the owner of it at the time was sort of like a, a pretty well-known DJ here. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember, like, it was it was like an agency. Like, it represented yeah. DJs. Yeah. And so, like, everybody wanted to be, like, signed to it. It was like, I'm on this DJ agency. And, like, yeah. And famous and would travel. That's what I thought it was originally. It was, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think, like, every Chicago DJ was on this agency. And okay. And maybe, like, a handful of, like, out-of-town ones that were, like, key right. players in markets where it's right, like, right. oh, this guy in Canada can book us, so he's on the agency. And this guy in, like, Ohio can book us, so he's on the agency. Mm-hmm. Like, just pure amateur hour, right? <laughs> um, but, but it, it seemed legit. Yeah, I mean, it was. There was really nothing going on at the time. Like, right. You know, the, it was. It was still like all like uncharted grounds. Sure. So nobody really. There was no like bad way to do it. Yeah. You know, as long as people were getting paid, no one's getting hurt. It's like screw it. Yeah, you're dishing out gigs or getting paid. That's the name of the game. Yeah. So after about like I think a year or two working with them, there was a bunch of changes. The owner got like taken off to produce records and kind of like moved to L.A. Um, and then sure. the partners who were living in L.A. at the time called me they're like hey you're running a lot of stuff in Chicago like would you want to like become a partner and sort of take this on with us and run it because we we were doing okay like we by no means like we're a profitable company right it was like it was enough where we had clients we were working with like Vegas casinos and 
you know, random hospitality groups and small yeah, markets. Yeah, hotels and, so, and everything like that. No, the hotels weren't even a thing, really. Oh, we shit. We had, like, one hotel client. Wow. Yeah, it was all strictly, like, nightclubs, bars, and, like, private events. Interesting. Yeah, because, like, the hotel thing was a shit. Unless you're in Vegas, like, the hotel thing wasn't, like... Yeah. Nobody went to, like, Kentucky to stay in a dope hotel. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, we... I was like, cool, let's just let me know what needs to happen. And they're like, well, we're going to, like, send you the paperwork and get the attorney. And we basically signed the shares. And they're like, cool, like, what do we do now? And so we're like, fuck. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. So we kind of just ran it like it was for a while. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was, me being, like, somewhat business savvy, I was like, it's not making money. Yeah. Like, this isn't working. And, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, what sucked even worse is the guys that were on the roster were friends of mine. Because that's the reason we all got connected. Yeah. But then, like, you're letting them down. Because they're like, I want to go play, like, you know, in Miami. And it's right. Like, well, why did so-and-so go to Miami but not me? And it's like, yeah. I don't uh, know, man. Yeah, all of a sudden you're, like, the decision maker. Yeah. And, like, I didn't want that. How old were you then? This was, like, I had to be, like, 24. It's pretty big shoes 25. for... Yeah, something like that. I mean... Be yeah. a stakeholder in a company that's that yeah made zero dollars, which yeah. is terrifying because if we lost money, like it's like all right, like we lose money or like yeah. we get into debt, like the partners have to throw in. It's that's like, true. Shit, like close the office, like stop the Comcast internet, like just get rid of everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, which we did. So we ended up like yeah. So <laughs> oh we did my that, god! And we shut the company down for like six months, like just basically like wiped the roster, like wiped the web website, and kind of just sat around. Wow. And, um, and we had some like really good friends, like professional friends, and like other venues and other restaurants and I just started talking to them I was like what's like what's a need like what are you guys seeing that like could be offered that we don't do mm-hmm. and one of the things that popped up over and over was like oh well, like you know you guys provide the same amount of DJs all the time but like if those if all the DJs suck or we don't want any of them like you're out yeah and when like I heard that I was like so if we went the other way where we acted as like in-house talent buyers sort of like a liquor company does where, yeah like, you know, like a southern or worse yeah where it's like, well, yeah, like, if Grey Goose isn't selling, like, you don't have to have Grey Goose. We can sell you, like, Tito's. Yeah. And I was like, well, let's try that. I like that. Yeah, so we ended up getting a couple, like, hotel clients, like, here in Chicago, like, The Wit and stuff like that, that mm-hmm. were like, kind of, like, progressive for that. Oh, so it's, The Wit's been a long-standing relationship then. Yeah. They're, I think they're they're one of our longest, if not the longest. Wow. Yeah. Um, that was, like, the first big hotel property we got because mm-hmm. that was the first rooftop bar club here in the city. It's amazing. Yeah. So, like, that was, like, a whole other, like, kick-in-the-ass education for me. Because, like, I'm used to nightclubs, bottle service, drink tickets. Yeah. Like, debauchery. And, like, the team that was there (laughs) was great because they sort of came from nightlife, too. Yeah. But we had to deal with, like, this whole other beast of whatever it is. Like, 400 rooms of corporate hotel underneath. (laughs) And, like, all of it that comes with that. That's a whole different animal. Yeah. But it was, like, an education like nobody else had. Yeah, of course. And, like, most hotels outside of, like, casino towns were shit. And this one wasn't. So it's like, all right, cool. And we kind of just learned a lot and just kept going. And, like, once we realized, like, we could sell this as, like, a, a business, mm-hmm. we ran with it. Wow. And here we are 10 years later with however many hotels, however many, like, hospitality groups. It's incredible. Yeah. So were you knocking on doors type sales? I mean. Everything. How did you go about that? It was a lot of, like, who do I know? Yeah. You know, it would, I'm grateful because a lot of the guys that we've worked with, have mm-hmm. been, like, like if you had a job and your boss quit, yeah. got fired, yeah, you'd be like, shit, <laughs> like, I'm next, or, like, this could affect me. Yeah. And that's how we were at first, but, like, when, like, these, like, whatever, general managers, food and beverage directors would get fired, mm-hmm. we had such a great relationship with them, and they loved, like, how we made their life easier, mm-hmm. that they'd ultimately go to another property, and then they'd be like, hey, man, like, I'm at this place now. 
like can you come in and like pitch mm. to ownership it's like wow so we got a lot of work that way yeah um, which was great but yeah it was a lot of it was a lot of like internet sleuthing like trying to figure out like who decision makers were and like you know from the ground up you'd see somebody that's like bartending at a spot that you'd want to work at yeah like, hey like who's who's like your boss over there <laughs> that's like, so interesting like, oh it's john okay cool like i'm gonna come in one night will you introduce me to him yeah like sure you just come loaded with like your business card and we sent out like swag packs one summer with like beach balls and summer stuff but it's like almost all the same isn't it, it? Is. you know like i my day job is in logistics yeah i call warehouses sometimes and i say hey you know i'm trying to work with you guys yeah who's the decision maker can you introduce me by email yep it's a very it's it's a it's a complicated but simple concept yeah. and it's just working with people that you're aligned with and it's aggravating as shit because I fought my whole <laughs> life to not end up behind a desk with a computer in front of me, <laughs> and now I'm like at a desk. Yeah. Granted, it's like it's a fun desk. It's a fun desk, and it's a fun computer. <laughs> but it's like even when I DJ, sometimes I like laugh because I'm like, I'm behind like a standing desk. With a computer, yeah. And like, yeah. Fuck, man. But yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's all the same, man. Like if you want to, like every business is the same. It's like the same shit, the same drama, the same politics. I know. It's just different levels of stress and whatever. It, it's just a different industry, and and. I feel like the secret to anything is just love what you do. Yeah. If you're passionate about it and you care and you like actually put time into it, yeah. Doesn't matter. I mean, there's a guy that made those guitar strings and he probably he hates will. his job. Or he might love it. I don't know. He might love it, but he, do but he does. Somebody it. loves that guitar. Yeah. You know? Amen. Yeah. Who are you serving? Exactly. Guitar player. Yeah. So you once said uh, in an email that our clients are the venues and we create sonic identities that fit their brand. We book musicians and DJs that fit each venue accordingly pretty much a summary of what you just said yeah sonic identity that's a phrase that really clicked for me when i first saw that how, how did that kind of motto that phrase really come to fruition was that you was that the team i don't remember because that's I, a sales line right there. i know we were looking for a better way to say because like I, I think our original tagline was like purveyors of good music yeah but then it's sort of like <laughs> when good music got associated with like kanye and all that stuff and oh, like the record label i was like ah. we should probably change that and right it's even funny because like we were like all right like we'll be like the tmt team and i was like that's floyd mayweather it's like we can't do tmt like it's basically dead like that would be very that. confusing for people yeah so i mean you tried to find something that spoke like that was like a little bit more um i guess like business savvy that's sure. something where, like, when somebody saw it, it wasn't like, we book your talent. Yeah. Like, we, we know music. Right. And it was, like, you know, a sonic identity. It was something that we'd thrown around, like, internally. We'd put it on, like, you know, pitch decks where it's, like, what's your sonic identity? You know, it's something that's, like, oh, I guess I never thought about that. Yeah. Because when you'd see, like, a new venue open up and they'd have all, like, there's 6,000 pages of decks of, like, here's what the bar's going to look like. Here's the glassware. Here's the story behind the floors. Here's mm -hmm. the story behind, like, the owner and, like, right. the building. Right. But there was never, like, a story behind, like, why they're doing the music the way they are. Yeah. Because it was just not thought of. So I was like, well, sonic identity. Like, because it's loose, we can change it. Yeah. It's not a permanent thing. And it does apply. It does. I mean, you know, I, I play a different set at the W City Center than I play at the W Lake Street. I play a different set than Federalize, and I play a different set at Fremont and everywhere else you know yeah. i would say the wit too yeah. it's played there for the first time and i was like you know aaron was like here's the vibe and i was like this is my vibe first yeah. off but you know well because there's very few places anymore that's like oh you're the dj have fun like no you know, most of them I've, like, yeah. that's i don't even is that even a thing like festivals maybe maybe but even maybe then, yeah. yeah like i don't know <laughs> you're still catering yeah, you're, somebody's still playing before or after you. So yeah. Like if, you're, if you're playing before, like, Skrillex, you're definitely not playing, like, a George <laughs> Michael. It's not, set. hey, go have fun, yeah. Yeah, you're catering that to, like, what's in front of you. 
That's true. And a lot of venues didn't know how to put that into context. Yeah. Because for the longest time, and I'm sure you know, yeah. if you were playing a set, the only thing a manager or an owner would know how to say is like, more energy. More energy. What the fuck does that more mean? More sing-alongs. Yeah. Like, just, like, it's, it was just such a generic stuff where it's like, no, like, we need they to... They don't even right. know how to express it. Mm-mm. Not at all. And the people still don't, which is fine. Like, that's yeah. not their world, but that's, like... That's kind of our job to, like... Yeah. Because we'd get these DJs, like, hey, man, like, the manager said, you know, to play more, like, bright music. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and, like, legit, I still have this crate in my, like, record, my Serato and record box. It's, uh-huh. like, bright music. Oh, my God. Because I did, like, a spec out of what that I thought that would mean. Right. And it was, like kind of cash cash edm house yeah like very just like tingy right like obnoxious shit and of course that's exactly what they want that's like very exactly positive what they house want, right? versus like the um the destructo house like the dark yeah that's like the guy literally line. just took a dark and bright concept i was like okay because i get it if he said you're playing too much dark music i'd be yeah, like yeah yeah this is like this marilyn manson shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I get it like i'm in a bad place today. yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry i'm, I'm yeah, sorry play i wear my heart on my sleeve and it goes yeah. on my set sorry man just like you know, girlfriend dumped me. Like, I'm just going to really, like, get angry tonight. Play some Papa Roach. Like, fuck yeah. Yeah, but, like, I get that. But, like, Bright was like, what? So, yeah. It's helping, like, venues kind of understand what they're... Sure. What they're going... And it changes. Of course. Of course. Well, how many how many DJs are on the roster now, then? So, mm, there's about 200 to 300 artists. And that's okay. DJs... Um, Live musicians, guitarists, singers, piano yeah. players, whatever. Okay. Um, yeah, so between like two to 300, and that may change this year when we do like our 1099s. That's always sure. like a funny thing where it's like, we issued how many? To- <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so yeah, but I think from last year it was between two or 300. And that's Chicago, Portland, Oregon, right? Chicago, Portland, San Francisco, San Diego, um, Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. We had some work in Boston. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Dallas. Yeah. I'm blanking on a couple. Sacramento. Yeah. That's we incredible. Do, yeah, I mean, it's because it's we there's even one-offs we do where it's like in smaller markets or bigger markets. Right. You know, like, so, yeah, it's, it's all over. So when you're, let's, let's call it onboarding a DJ or whatever, mm-hmm. how do you work with them to match up those sonic identities? Is it finding the DJ first and then aligning, or is it figuring out what the venue wants and then aligning it with the DJ? It's kind of what the venue wants first or the event. So it's like I kind of have like two ways to do it where if it's a venue, like if it's a brand new venue that's opening. Right. Or an event or something in like a market that we don't have a ton of like support or from like we're not familiar with. Right. It's one of those things where like I'll go find 10, 15 guys that I think might fit that profile online. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like sketch them out. Mm-hmm. And then when I realize like either what the budgets are or whatever, kind of call around. And it's like, it's great because it's like, the, the entertainment world's small. Yeah, so true. It's kind of like in Chicago, like if I I can call somebody like, hey, like, there's this guy Sherm. Like, yeah. Have you worked with him? Yeah. Like it's so like? small. So yeah. you can do that in like true. those markets where you just like get a hold of one, and most guys are excited to talk to you, and they're excited to get their friends involved or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we do that kind of just as like a, I guess like a, cold call and like a yeah setting up. Yeah. And then like once it comes to fruition, if like we're ready to pull the trigger, like I'll fly out to that market or go there and. Kind of listen to the guys play for a weekend. Yeah. Um, if I need to. You like undercover? No, I tell them. <laughs> I don't tell them when I'm coming to the venue. But like, hey, I'm in town this weekend. Like, where you at? Like, right, put, right, put right. me on the list. Or like, right, hey, right, I'll, right. I'll see you. But then, like, I always sneak in, listen to about like 30, 40 minutes of their set. That's cool. And then like introduce myself and say what up. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, on top of that, I mean, you've you've been DJing. Obviously, we've talked about it. Yeah. You played shows all over. You were just in. Where were you recently? Uh, Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. Okay. There's another place. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. We did like the setup for that hotel. It's a Kimpton property and it's great. Nice. Um, helped them like set up their DJ booth and like, uh, you know, all the gear and all that. Um, and like they had a talent buyer come in who like he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yeah, I'm just going to like do it myself. And we're like, cool, man. Like, let us know if you need help. So we've done like one-off shows. It's like we did A-Track for I think their one-year anniversary. You guys work with A-Track a few times. We try to do it where like if we find an artist that we know works for a room and for we sure. can all like take that room four different times, mm-hmm. we'll do that. Because obviously like you bring an artist like that four offers. You you because you booked him for Lollapalooza after party Fremont. Yep. And then you booked him in Sacramento or San Francisco. Was it a pool party or something? Uh, we did Sacramento, which was the pool party, and then he went to play Charlotte right after that. I think it's pretty cool that you can align with A A Track can do anything, but yeah. But that's like the way, it's the easiest way to do it. True. I mean it's. It's not like, it's not like those guys don't want to work. No. So it's like when you can get them like multiple offers like that, it's great. And it oh. helps you, it helps the client. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's awesome. But yeah. So I was in Charlotte, and yeah, they, it was funny because after like consulting with them, like the guy like literally called me, he's like, "Hey man, two year anniversary, like you should be the DJ." It's like, sure. Awesome. Like, so let's do it. <laughs> like it was fun. That's amazing. Yeah. What's kind of the difference you've noticed, in especially growing up in Chicago, living on the West Coast, DJing all over? Mm-hmm. What's kind of different vibes you've noticed with the crowds? How do you go about? Like, do you just start and feel it out? Yeah. Do you I was the bright like, playlist? Like, do you prepare? <laughs> I don't prepare shit. Like, I, I prepare, like, what I think will be, like, the, the hits that I need to have. Or yeah. I need to have. Must plays. Yeah. And if there's, like, some new song that came out, like, that week, you know, I forget it was. There was something last week that came out. I was like, I should probably have that. Yeah. And, like, I don't know if I'm going to play it. Um, <laughs> no, I usually go to the club, like, early like i'm not the guy that walks in 10 minutes before a set yeah plugs in like i listen to what the opener's playing like I walk totally through a couple times because it's like you don't know you don't know you have to take that crowd profile because every room is different some of these rooms it can be a bunch of like 40 year olds and up mm-hmm. some of these rooms can be just like college kids wanting to get like shit canned it's true yeah where's your favorite place to play then so far I don't have one actually. Like, yeah, I, it's all fun. It's all different to me. Like I've really stepped back from that whole like I have to play this market or I have to play this market. Yeah, you know? um, I have to play that venue. Like, there's obviously gigs that suck, and there's obviously places that you just don't really care to go back to. Yeah, um, but you know, it's like, part of it, right? Everything's kind of like it's fun. Like you're you're getting paid to play music, so even if it's not like. You know, ten years ago, if it wasn't the wild set that you passed out drunk from and like <laughs> ended up getting tacos in the morning, like. Nobody cares. You know what I mean? Like that sounds like a story for after. Uh... Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like I don't care if that's <laughs> if that's happening anymore. Yeah. Like I'm just happy to go play music. Uh, there are markets I do find it's like a little bit more fun to play. Like, mm-hmm. you know, biased, but San Francisco is like it's crazy. Every time I play that market, people like are ready to dance. It doesn't matter. Like I've walked into clubs at ten o'clock and the dance floor is packed, and they just stay packed all night. And you're just like. And you're terrified sometimes getting on because you're like, I'm, I'm going to fuck this dance floor. Like, 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 if I don't do what the opener did, like, holy shit. And the opener's not even burning you. And the opener's right. just playing, like, like it's yeah. such a, and there's markets like that. There's a lot of markets where people just come ready to dance. Well, for those that don't know, California, you know, the venues close early. Yeah, I mean, two. But, well, okay, I guess, <clears throat> I guess my perspective yeah. is that, is, I would say more so Los Angeles is, is what I've discussed this more so. You really don't get that many chances with a crowd. Like, Chicago, you can go to Hubbard Street and go to five different places to get five different vibes, right? So yeah. you can bop around. L.A., I don't know if San Francisco's the same. I've been there twice. and It's a good bar-hopping city. It's a bar-hopping city? Okay. Yeah. Well, Los Angeles, I feel like you maybe don't have that many chances with a crowd, right? So, like, if you don't really, like, get in the groove right away, 
you may lose them and they're just gonna I don't know go home because it takes 45 minutes to go somewhere yeah well that's a crazy thing that like people don't understand there's markets and LA is a good one for that mm-hmm. because it's massive so it's kind of like the epitome of it but it's like yeah Ubers are expensive there, man. If you, <laughs> if you live in one part of that city trying to get it to the it's not like Chicago no. or like Boston or New York where you can just like hop trains and cabs and oh. like be wherever you need to be in 10 minutes for under 20 bucks. Yeah. But like there's some of these markets where like Uber doesn't even exist. Like I was in Vancouver on vacation. There's no Uber up there. Really? There's no Lyft. And there's nightlife. But like... What did you do? God. Walked. <laughs> walked. It's like walking buses and bikes. And like, okay. You appear like, oh, there's cabs, but they're not just driving around. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's like, that's got to, like, destroy bars and nightlife and stuff because, like, I guess there's no binge drinking, which, good. That's good. But it's like, they legalized weed up there, but Ubers, like, are not. Wow. So that's it, an interesting market. Yeah, but there's places like that where, like, it's yeah. just... The, the point of entry to get around isn't, isn't worth it. So, like, Chicago's hmm. great because you can... Okay, it's great, but you can drink till five in the morning. And yeah, I could like, take like a thirty-minute break and then go to Richards and start drinking again at seven <laughs> or six thirty whenever they open now. <laughs> but like, you can just keep going here for better or for worse. And that's yeah, market. that's kind of the parallel I was trying to draw. Is like Chicago, you can really keep it going. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be after hours. And God, you can do, you after, do hours. after hours. It's insane. You could start like Saturday brunch, go to like dinner after brunch, like at like five six o'clock. Yeah. Hit the club by like nine ten. Yeah. Do the club until like five, and then do after after hours after five until whatever until Sunday morning. It's insane, yeah. and you know, I mean, so when I actually when I went to uh, CrossFest in San Diego one time, I saw it. I went to Omnia there. Mm-hmm. The headliner goes on at eleven o'clock. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, shit. In Chicago, you know, we'll be pregaming at ten ten thirty, and I'll say to the people, I'll be like, hey, we got a, we got a day's work in right now. You know, we got six seven hours to go until it's bedtime. Yeah, and no, there's. It's a lot different. They want people up and early. That was yeah. like the hard thing about living in California. Like, yeah, it was good because it like definitely like made me more of a morning person. But it's like, oh, it's one <laughs> thirty. Yeah, I was like, it's one thirty and the lights are on. Like, I guess we'll go to bed. I'm gonna get because <laughs> there's no, there's really no like late night pizza. Yeah, place I'm, or I'm gonna get a good night of sleep. Yeah, so you go to sleep, get up on the next day, do your like yoga or whatever, and have your acaibal and yeah. on on with your day. What brought you back to Chicago then? Just, I mean, a lot of it, there's a lot of reasons, but I think the biggest thing was I missed the hustle. I really missed being, like, within a quick jump on a flight to places I wanted to go. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, the final meltdown for me was we were going to, I think it was Ireland. And so from San Diego, oh, we had to, like, go San Diego to Philly, Philly to Ireland. And then on the way back, it was Ireland to Miami, Miami to San Diego. God. Which. And it was the, we laid over in Miami and we were dead. Like, we were just so over it. And, like, we, the terminal they landed us in had, like, no food, no water. Oh, God. It was, like, a three-hour, like, wait till the next flight. Yeah. So it was, like, the most gnarly travel day. And I remember just looking at my wife and I was like, I'm done. I was like, I'm done, like, with yeah. the international travel out of San Diego. Like, this yeah. is hell. And it was, like, an extreme case of it. Like, we were just pissed off. And, sure. But sometimes that happens. Like, yeah, yeah, but it was, like, just one of those things. You but, hit rock bottom, like, all of a sudden you didn't expect it. And you're like, fuck this. Yeah. But, do this. You know, part of it too is like, like I said earlier, it was like we were in San Diego and we loved it. We have a lot of friends there, and mm-hmm. like, you know, we're grateful for the experience, and we yeah. still keep in touch with them and go back a lot. Mm-hmm. But it was the thing where it's like, I have to work my ass off in that market to yeah. be able to afford the lifestyle that I have here. That's true. So, like, very good point. We moved back here, like, landed a year, spent that year looking for a house, found that house, bought that house. <laughs> like, it was great. Whereas, like in San Diego, like when we started, like you know, looking at you know, three, five, ten years in the future. It was yeah. like, I don't want to pay a million bucks for, like, a townhome out here. Yeah. Like, it's like 45 minutes away from the beach. 
<laughs> pay half that and get a townhome in the city in Chicago and be yeah. 10 minutes outside the city. Same yeah. Like it's true. Whatever it is, you know. It's true. Off the train. It's true. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but I think a friend's family opportunity being here and like yeah. just kind of like, plus the seasons, man. I miss the seasons so much out there. That's so true. That is that is my favorite part about Chicago. I think that's just kind of how I was raised. Really appreciating the holidays. Yeah. You know, and nobody decorates out west for Christmas. What? Uh-uh. That's absurd to me. There's like no. Like, that's we disrespectful. Were so, we were so bummed. We're like, oh, it's gonna be Christmas AF out here. Yeah. No. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, no there's a little bit. Not, but like on like the here. main drag or something. Yeah. Not November like here. one here, baby. It's Christmas November. time. It was like October in some some places. It was like, <laughs> it's true. They, they had the changing lights. It was all about Christmas lights and they were orange and they just flipped the switch. Yeah. You go to Target or a Walmart in the Midwest in yeah. early October to yeah. mid Christmas time. Yeah. Costco especially. God, you walk in Costco. It's like, it's been maybe amazing. I need this $75 tree two months in advance. Yeah. I think I might. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Shit, I gotta get a treat. <laughs> no, I mean, it's... You're a real treat type guy, though. Yeah, but this might be the first year I go fake tree. Yeah. I'm tired of it's the mess. It's a hassle. I'm tired of the fucking mess. God, it's such a hassle. I'm still, like, vacuuming out, like, <laughs> needles from the back of my car. It's like, it's like a fucking dog or something. It's like, it's shedding everywhere. I gotta yeah. water it. Yeah. I just, I'm like, whatever. I'd rather Sick. just buy it. I got storage. I can do it. Like, nice. Yeah. Homeowner. Yeah. How's that feel? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Until something breaks. Yeah. Oh, shit. Because it's been like, I lived in a place for like 10 years here in Chicago out of college. Mm-hmm. Or eight years, whatever it was. Not a damn thing broke. <laughs> like year one in this house, we get like a power surge that destroys every appliance in the kitchen. Oh, and I'm just damn. Like, you gotta be shitting me. <laughs> like, okay. Like, this is this is life. So ah, yeah. That is real life. Yeah. Gosh. Well, since you've been in the industry for so long, there's something I like asking people, new and old. Yeah. You've seen so many things change in the past 10, 15 years. I mean, it's about to be 2020, which is crazy. Yeah. What do you think has been the biggest thing you've seen change in the past decade, and what do you think's to come? For, like, DJing in our industry? I'd say anything in the music industry. I think the point of entry is what I've seen change a lot, mm-hmm. where you used to have to, you know, cut your teeth a million different ways and kind of yeah. be that guy that's in clubs seven nights a week or... Yeah. And I think that's just gone. I think it's so digital now, mm-hmm. which is good and bad. I yeah. think, like, there's guys that are hitting us up that have, you know, when I ask them how long they've been DJing, it's two years, a year. Yeah. And they're just as good as some of the guys that have been DJing for 10, 15 years. It's crazy. Um, it's, it's an interesting... Technology, for better or worse, has made our industry, like, way more, and it's such a cliche answer, like, way more approachable. Yeah, um, I agree. And I'm kind of not mad at it because it's it's offered, like... It's opened me up to way more music. There's stuff mm-hmm. that like guys like you would have played where I'm like, what the fuck is he playing? Like, <laughs> this. You know, versus... Because yeah. like, some of the older guys, back in the day, they, they never, like... You could always predict their sets for the most part. True. And, like, being ironic was sort of their way of standing out. Mm-hmm. But, like, now I feel like what we're seeing is kids are, like, passionate about music more. Whether they're producers, be it really great ones or really shitty ones, yeah, they're at least trying. They're not trying to do, like, the Billie Jean mashup. They're not trying to I do, like... I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, so it's like, it may not fit venues. It may not fit what people want to hear, but at least it's something different. The love will find a way. Yeah. Um, someone that I <clears throat> bring up a lot is, is A.C. Slater mm-hmm. and his night bass revolution. Yeah. You know, five, six years ago, he was by himself making this music, trying to build a brand. He just kept doing it. And now people like my brother, who's, you know, 
he's 24 years old. He's a love bass. He's like two years, 22 years old, and he's listening to Night Bass. Yeah. And I'm like, and the Malas, you know, all, all this type of stuff. It's like they stayed in their lane and they did what they wanted to do. Eventually, it will happen. Eventually, people will find it because what do people love? Things that other people love too. Like you feel connected to people who are passionate about what they do. Yeah. And there's a lane for everybody, which True. is what's great. And that's like when I see guys who are like, oh, like, what do I have to do to like be successful or be yeah. that like DJ? It's like, I mean, do what you want to do, man. Because honestly, like, there's country DJs out there now. <laughs> yeah. There weren't country DJs 10 years ago. <laughs> that's crazy. Like, there's a lane for everything. Yeah. It's just, if you like doing it, do it. Who gives a shit? Like, it may not work for, like, something we do, but I guarantee you there's a guy somewhere else where, like, he would love to have a country DJ. Yeah. Or he would love to have, like, a dubstep DJ. True. And, like, or whatever it is you're into. Yeah. There's something for it. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. But everyone, like, it's nice because now... The information is just so readily available where you can like, like find it's like those facebook commercials where yeah. you like find your group oh my god and like i fucking hate facebook but it's like it's true because you can literally be like i really like playing like country mashups with like you know like bach or something and you could probably find 500 <laughs> people in the world that do that shit so wonderfully specific right there yeah i mean it's, it's trying to be but there is there's a facebook out there if you guys are listening find yeah find yeah, us I mean, i'm yeah. really curious yeah but me there's too. i mean like as we move forward and as we change as like an industry like it's gonna get more professional it's gonna yeah. like get more locked up which is good mm-hmm. um, true you're seeing DJs buy houses buy cars start families like be normal people be functioning adults right versus what it used to be where like artists were like those like drunk drug addict like dark den things like I spoke at Northwestern last week and it was funny because like really it's amazing yeah some of these kids like never like telling them that like it used to just be like these dark clubs and yeah you know it was like a who's in my mouth party with a bunch of drugs and alcohol everywhere it's crazy and they were like their faces it was just it was like oh yeah you guys are all like post 93 babies like yeah. shit <laughs> but it's it's now like guys can make a living on this stuff yeah and whether you're the wedding dj whether you're like the private event dj only like there's private ad- event djs making like 10 20k a pop you can make a lot of fucking money Tons. As a DJ. and you don't have to be like this front-facing character guy you don't no. have to be this obnoxious like you know add me on instagram snapchat type mm-hmm. dude like you can just be that guy that loves music and yeah brands respect that yeah you know that's true i i totally agree it's it's really insane to see how many different types of businesses brands people venues yeah. need djs these there's days. djs in yoga now yeah which exactly. i that's love it's so amazing. true like <laughs> there's so much dope shit yoga class dj yeah and there there's a chick Alyssa joe yeah i know Alyssa. she's yeah. great what a lane yeah what a fucking lane and she's like, a great dj props to her yeah incredible it's like playing deep house like she yeah. loves it and people are like wow this is perfect like, you're perfect for this but can you imagine like as a DJ, I couldn't do it. So props to her. Where it's like, yeah, people are actually relaxing and like, I, I, like lying down during your DJ set. I don't like, know if I could mentally get there. Like fuck, like I'm not playing the right shit. No reverb. Yeah. No easy on the reverb, man. Calm down. But there's that's the thing is like there's so many yeah. like all the sporting teams now basically have DJs. It's insane, and those guys get gigs too. Yeah. Chicago Bulls DJ. What's his name? Uh, Metro. Well, not Metro. The, there's some other guy. J Funk. J Funk. Well, Metro. Metro is of course like yeah the pinnacle of what you can do yeah i mean he tours worldwide yeah and look at someone like shaw too you know just played his first out of country gig he's incredible yeah independent guys just he does it all yeah and that is one thing too finding your lane is important i would say musically yeah but you can't just do one thing these days no you have to do so much you got to know how to brand you got to know how to be active on social media you got to know how to be unique you got to know how to network 
you can't just like make really good music and expect things to happen. Yeah. I, I like whenever younger DJs ask me, you know, what 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 have you done? And not to say that I'm any, even anything big or special. I just said I've done so much of everything that I'm trying to just keep getting tighter and tighter at what I'm good at. Well, because if you have to work the day job, like if you're the DJ, you're the producer, you're whatever, like you're yeah. the artist, I guess, mm-hmm. and like you have to have that day job to like supplement your life. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No. But like, you know, it's how you want to balance it. So if it's, you know, if this is your day job and this is your artist career, the goal is to yeah, finally tip the scale where you don't need the day yep. job anymore. And then exactly. You but a lot of guys don't see that far ahead because I like I was talking about this like the other day mm-hmm. and I forget with who we were talking about like the middle where it's like most guys start at the bottom sure. and most guys like have this vision where like they skip the middle part of whatever their like goal is mm-hmm. and they instantly look at like I need to headline a festival yeah I need to like be up on the diplo level and it's like there's so much money and opportunity in the middle that you're bypassing by yeah. not doing that it's crazy, but it's like you get these guys. It's like, well, I DJed my first wedding. I guess I'm like ready to like DJ a club. It's like, no, but <laughs> no. Then it travels up because you get club DJs. Like, well, now I've like DJed like 50 clubs. Like, mm-hmm. I should be headlining a festival. It's yeah. Like, no, I played a festival. It's terrifying. Yeah. I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, I don't like DJing during the daytime in general. Yeah. Alone to like people that are like there to see you jump on stage and throw shit. It's like people that. don't realize like those steps, like those stepping stones. It's like it's it, true. And there's that middle part that everybody misses. I agree. It's it's a glorified business because of what we see from the Diplos, you know, to bring them up again. Uh, I, I like bringing this up. It's like, it's so exciting to get into it right away. Mm-hmm. You know, your first gig, no matter what the hell it is, a house party. Oh, dudes love it. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And it gives you that bug. And then you keep going. And then, you know, let's just say the threshold is 10 gigs after that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, what's next? And then... You could go a year doing nothing or the same, and that's when people break. Yeah. That's the middle that people can't get through. And they act like it's you know steady progression. No, it's not. It's like some crazy shit like this. Where no, like it's not. You could have the worst year of your life, like it, four years after like the best four years of your life. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I, I put out an Instagram story that I saw. It was basically just a tweet, and it was, you know, Martin Garrix made animals and got famous the next day. Armin Van Buren was like a law firm broker and built a state of trance at 30 years mm-hmm. old. You're not too early. Yeah. You're not too late. You just need to make sure that what you're doing is what you love. You got to be calculated with it. You have point. to be calculated with something. Like some guys just don't plan it out. No, it's ridiculous. It's like, hey, there's tomorrow, by the way. Yeah. You know. But everybody wants to do it now, and like you know, we see this because a lot of guys like. I love giving the advice because it's like there's people that ask me things where I'm like, I can't help you headline a festival or like get your record pushed on radio. Like, yeah. Yes, I've like consulted with some festival stuff. Yes, I've worked in radio, but like. That ain't me, man. Like that's mm-hmm. it's a whole nother shit show for that. It is. But these guys just want that instant the end game. And I'm happy to like kind of be like, Are you killing it like in every market in the city? Or like in the in the US? Like, yeah. have you played every major thing? Like do you yeah. have records people want to hear? Yeah. No? So no? what are you gonna do at a festival? <laughs> <laughs> what makes you unique? Yeah. What's gonna I mean it's a business too. Because is... when was the last DJ that like you saw at a festival that wasn't playing their own music? Uh like Girl Talk? But even that was still his unique thing. Not a significant festival. Right. Nothing that would, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, matters, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you can do, like, the art, like, the local stage. Which sure, is fun. and there's like, nothing wrong with that, no, but... But, like, you're not headlining... Or nothing like, on an Insomniac level or React Presents level. No. And that's what those people are looking for. You got... What are you doing that's yourself? Like, there's no, like, traditional open format DJs that are playing at festivals. 
No. People aren't going to festivals to see an open format set. And like, if there are, it's probably guys like Vice or whatever who actually yeah, have absolutely. Records. But I don't even know. Like, I, I really haven't seen like the guys that were like really killing that scene mm-hmm. go to festivals because I think they saw the Vegas and touring money they were getting. Yeah. And they saw the festival money, and it's yeah. like, wait, why? Yeah, right. It, 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 again, it's a business, right? Like, everybody's got to get their stick. Yeah. What are the festival promoters getting? What are the club owners getting? What is the DJ getting? Also, it's like the audience, too. I think that's the, the hardest thing for me to grasp as I get older. Yeah. Like, it's like, at some point, if you're the 40-year-old DJ still playing, like, like bottle service clubs, <laughs> they are 20 years younger than you. Yeah, shit. That's like, crazy. The relatability has to be so hard. At some yeah. Point. So it's like, I feel like there has to be, like, and again, like, people get families they have kids they move on yeah so you can still do it and be great at it there's don't get me wrong there's definitely djs in their 40s that are like sure clubs but not a lot yeah because it's like that that level of relatability and there's even stuff where i hear like some of our djs play it and i'm like is this what's this is what's big <laughs> this is what's working <laughs> that's to be like the old grumpy guy that's like oh my god like yeah fuck you do this five nights a week okay yeah at least you're able to acknowledge that and appreciate yeah. it. But I think that's like what it. everybody has to realize is like there is a timestamp on it. There is a way you have to evolve. There is a way True. you have to like figure out your life if you're going to be in the long haul for a DJ. Yeah. Or like a musician. At some point, you're physically not going to look the way a venue wants you to <laughs> or you're musically not going to sound the way a venue wants you to because you didn't keep up. Yeah. That's good advice. And hopefully it's like you've kept up the physical looks or you've kept up your appearance. It, 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 that goes right back into what we were talking about. You also have to look presentable. Yeah. I have friends, and I, I love them to death, but, like, there's, I've had the call where it's like, yo, man, can you, like, not smoke a ton of weed and, like, maybe shower before the gig? Because, like, oh, shit. that was bad. Oh, man. But th- it happens because there's guys that just, they're there. Yeah. They're great DJs. Nobody gives a fuck. But it's like, yo, man, like, be presentable. Yeah, I know. It's a whole package. All of it. Speaking of long haul, what's the long haul look like for you? You, the Music Trust? Hopefully we keep growing. Yeah. Hopefully we keep grabbing accounts. Um, we're starting to kind of dive into the creative world, like the non-music stuff. Yeah. Um, so, like, what, we, what we've realized over 10 years is, like, you can have the best, like, entertainment lineup at a club. Yeah. At a hotel. At a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Or whatever restaurant it is. But nobody knows how to market that. Yeah. Like half, I mean, I'm sure you see it. Like half the time, like, where's my flyer? Like, why didn't they promote me on Instagram? Yeah. And it's not because they don't want to. Like, most places don't want to not promote you. Yeah. It falls into like two categories basically. Either they don't know how, mm-hmm. or like they don't have somebody who's working past 5 p.m. to understand what's going on. Right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And it's like a lot of places forget that. I'm like, if it's not like a true standalone nightclub, mm-hmm. they don't have that nighttime team. No, they don't. So like, you know, whatever the marketing girl is gone at like 4.59 on a Friday and doesn't punch back in until Monday yeah. at like 8.30. Yeah. So nothing got promoted over the weekend if they don't know. So yeah, we're That's trying to true. like, we're getting into that where we're helping with everything from like food and beverage shoots to like marketing initiatives to like building websites and kind of just being a little bit more like full 360 on it. Yeah. A um, little bit of music licensing stuff we started to like dabble in, which is interesting. That's um, fruitful business. Hopefully. Kind Especially, of just like building a team, you know? Yeah, well, the rise of, you know, Netflix and HBO Go and all that stuff. And it's crazy, man, because I was talking about this yesterday. I love, like, the lo-fi beats yeah. stuff on, like, Spotify. Same, I do too, yeah. And it's so aggravating because it's such good shit. And some of those songs have, like, 
40 million plays and it's, yeah. a, it's like a minute song or a <laughs> so 30 true. second song and you're like yeah. I should have been a lo-fi producer yeah. but the crazy thing is like they can license that for like an Instagram post oh my or a God. YouTube post or like you could put it behind the backing of this for your intro people don't realize how much lo-fi they listen to yeah it's insane but it's like because okay fine like all these big artists are gonna like cock block every DJ and yeah. like every like and everybody online from using their song as if like they need to pay a royalty to put it like a, a Lady Gaga track behind <laughs> them cutting their birthday cake in a nightclub and then it gets flagged is the stupidest shit ever like oh, royalties like oh my it's like, god alright man like cutting so, their like, birthday cake in a nightclub there's club. like now a void for that where people want to have that absolutely so it's like yeah trying to just trying to find like that's what we hope like that's what we're, we're growing we're doing a lot of like events a lot of um, production stuff starting to pop up now that's great really just trying to kind of go bigger yeah like, that's awesome offer more I mean, cheers to you, 10 years. Yeah, thanks, man. It's incredible. Shout out to Ankit, shout out to Aaron. Yeah. The whole Music Trust collective, Small everybody. Team, but we yeah. try to take care of everybody. You guys we, do. Yeah. You're responsive, pay on time. That's. If we're not paying on time, man, like it it all goes to shit. Like, you do a whole separate episode on professionalism. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if, it, if we don't pay on time, like. There's dudes who miss their mortgages, they're like, yeah, their kids' payments, like everything. It's like, you've got to pay on time, man. That's the problem with it, too, in the long run. Yeah. But, man, I want to finish again by acknowledging you. I got a lot of respect for everything you've done. Thanks, man. Appreciate the that. hustle is real. It's and real. It's awesome. And you've given me such genuine life advice, and that's something that's intangible to me. So, Thanks, so happy to have you on. This has been great. And congrats on like 90 podcasts. That's 90. That's a lot. 90. 90. <laughs> <laughs>